The Elvis Cast with Grant Bench. Hello, today in the Elvis Cast, we welcome Wayne Hawthorne. Wayne has been president of the Elvis Fan Club since the late 60s and has had an extensive history following Elvis Presley. And today, it's fantastic to welcome him to the Elvis Cast. Great to be with you, Grant, and we've just had a wonderful uh, talk about some AFL champions or VFL champions in Frank Pomeroy down there at Geelong and Freddie Gattuso at Collingwood, so... Hopefully there are people uh, that remember them. Yeah, well, we should talk about uh, the person that we actually met through, and that was uh, Elvis Presley. And I was actually curious to know, Wayne, when did you first become aware of Elvis when you were a young fella? Okay, look, uh, <laughs> we got into uh, mainly through my mother, you know, listening before t- television. We had uh, radio, of course. Um, but with Elvis, I, c- I can remember... Uh, loved me tender, but I didn't know who Elvis was. I think the first time I really uh, realised the name Elvis Presley was when our hit parade um, started on Channel 7, a weekly program playing the top eight songs for the week run by the great uh, John Eden. And, um, of course, at that that particular time, um, all shook up was on, on top of the charts. Right. So, uh, but I always, <laughs> I always thought that the man sitting under the fuzzy tree in uh, a fatty sort of guy with a uh, Hawaiian shirt on uh, singing um, All Shook Up, um, a guy by the name of, uh, oh, my God, Don Carter. Okay, I actually thought he was Elvis Presley. <laughs> right, okay, because I used to mime. So you had the actual, uh, Elvis was singing um, on the television, but you had Don Carter doing the miming. Uh, there was a group of them that mimed each uh, song each week. Brilliant show. But then come uh, later... At the end of 1957, uh, we went along to see Elvis and the, uh, oh, sorry, Tarzan and the Lost Safari, uh, Gordon Scott, um, Elvis, uh, Elvis. I'm getting Elvis and Tarzan mixed up, sorry. Not but, a surprise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Gordon Scott was a damn looking dude and he had a similar hairdo to Elvis. But, um, yeah, and uh, so that that that's fine. And of course, at interval in those days, before they went on to the second movie, uh, they would play upcoming movies. And the upcoming movie at M- at the MGM was Jailhouse Rock. And man, I mean, those kids were just going wild. Kids, I was a kid, teenagers going wild, and. I, I, I always remember turning around to mum and saying, uh, what's that? And she said, that's Elvis Presley. And all of a sudden I realised that the fat guy on the, on the hip parade was, <laughs> was, was an Elvis. So, but that, that was it. And, um, of course, that, that Christmas we got our first Elvis records and, um, yeah. Um, were your parents uh, in, into Elvis or in, in the stereotype I, that the, the parents weren't approving of him? Uh, mum was. 
Mum was very much. She she had a great influence, um, and um, you know I remember um, Johnny Ray coming out in the uh, early fifties, and uh, Mum and a friend of hers went off to see Johnny Ray in concert, and uh, Dad was not into Johnny Ray, and he was not into um, he liked his Bing Crosby and uh, stuff like that. Um, so no, Dad was not <laughs> a rock and roll, a rock and roll uh, person. Nor whereas Mum, yes, um, they were the same age, mind you. And uh, but Mum, Mum really uh, enjoyed it. Um, and uh, you know, Pat Boone, uh, she loved Pat Boone. Uh, she wasn't so much into the heavy rock and roll stuff, but she she loved Elvis. She loved uh, Rick Nelson. She loved uh, uh, Pat Boone, as I said. She loved, you know, people overlook uh, things like Perry uh, Perry Como and whatever. But they they had transitioned over doing some uh, some good rock and roll songs. You weren't discouraged from uh, listening or following Elvis at the time. Oh God, no, no. Oh no, uh, Dad was never. Dad said, "Well, you listen to whatever you want to listen to, but I don't have to like it." <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny with Dad, he, uh, uh, the same with um, Elvis movies, Dad didn't want anything to do with them until uh, we couldn't get in to see Wild and the Country uh, because it was X-rated. So you had to be 16 or over. So we had to go and see it at the drive-in. So Dad took us to the drive-in and he's gone, this is a great movie. So he loved Wild in the Country. Um, and uh, But after that, <laughs> it was it, it was into boxing movies, so Kid Galahad and Wild in the Country became his two great loves. Well, they're, they're uh, terrific the, movies. But, Wayne, can you take us back to those days in the, in the 50s heading to a, an Elvis movie? What, what was it like in the theatre when you were watching Jailhouse Rock you know, loving you type movies there. With the how were the how was the audience? Well, was it like you were at a rock concert? Well, basically it was because you had to get to and and this went right through uh, until tickle me. After tickle me, uh, there was a problem. Uh, as in, uh, that was the last great. Um, we we had to get there early and line up in you know around the block. Um, I mean, it was quite amazing that uh, you, know, you either got there early or started thinking about, well, we'll go somewhere for lunch and then come back for the uh, afternoon show. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the crowds were up the street and around the corner. Um, so uh, people forget that. and uh, Well, not people who were there. I mean, Betty once, uh, Betty Giles once told me that uh, she went to see, I forget the movie, um, but she had to join the queue in Werribee, um, <laughs> and the show was in Geelong. So, uh, just joking, Betty, but that, that, that is that is true that, uh, you know, it was, uh, for us, it was the only, only contact we had with Elvis. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how did you find out any news of, of uh, songs that were coming out or when the latest movie might be coming? Did, did, was, how did you get that news? Cause... Oh, yeah, well, that, that, that came out in, um, in uh, you know, things like TV Week, uh, 
uh, movie magazines that, that came out uh, on a regular basis. Um, uh, newspapers, of course. Bingo, they, they would have an article, Elvis's next movie, blah, blah, blah. So it was mainly magazines. Um, you say pop magazines, I guess, that you, you still buy today, if they still exist. I mean, with the internet, uh, you used to walk in and find about 500 different magazines. These days, you're lucky to find 50. Yeah, I know, um, it's disappointing. Yeah, well, it is. But those, those magazines, yeah, I mean, and of course you had um, uh, the great uh, Elvis Monthly from the UK. Um Albert Hand uh, putting out that uh, beautiful small booklet each month um, and I think that dated back to 59 when they first started so you would see that mum, mum would see it you know in the news agents or we'd see it uh, on the newsstands in the street and you always had your office monthly and that was a great source in Australia that was an absolutely brilliant source. Yeah, when I was when I was growing up, you know, um, late seventies, early eighties, that that was still a lot of what the way uh, the the young ones of today don't know how good they've got it with uh, access to internet, and you can sort of find out anything you want, get anything oh, you want. Definitely, and, but, definitely. Uh, now, when did you start really collecting Elvis uh, music in in a serious way? Uh, well, basically, uh, the first three records was the first um, edition of the Christmas album, uh, Tutti Fruity EP, Joe Ass Rock EP. Um, but when I really got serious was um, buying the, um, well, Mum bought it actually, the Something for Everybody LP, and on the back cover you had a picture of the Flaming Star Elvis by Request EP. Well, we already had that. But while in the country, here's this beautiful picture cover. And I've gone, hey, hold on. So mum goes along to one record store, my brother goes along to another, whatever, and I, no, no, they didn't release it here with picture cover. So that is when I first got into what I wrote to... Um, RCA, uh, and they turned around and came back and then said, no, it wasn't released here with the picture cover, so why in the hell did they put it on the back of the Australian Something for Everybody LP cover? Anyway, they gave me an address in um, uh, New York. So I wrote to RCA in New York. Do I get a letter from them? No, I get a, a letter from uh, Chad Atkins in um, from RCA in Nashville. And believe it or not, Chad Atkins and I became basically pen pals for nearly a decade. Um, but, um, yeah, so he turned around and he said, oh, okay, uh, sorry to hear that it, Watson released in Australia with a, a picture cover, and he gave me a um, an address in um, Gallatin, Tennessee, um, Randy's Record Store, which was run by or owned by Randy Wood of 
Bill Ricketts, um, legend. Um, okay, so go off to them, um, write a letter off to them, bingo. Yep, okay, not a problem. So all of a sudden, started buying American records. If Australia didn't issue uh, a single with a picture cover, I went back to them. Did you collect both of them, the, the US and Australian versions? I only collected Australian ones if they had a picture sleeve. Right. But if, if both Australia and America had a picture sleeve, I got both. Yeah, strange. I know in the UK they didn't get uh, picture covers until oh, probably the early 70s. And uh, I know when I first started looking for records, I was looking for, you know, I turned down a few because there was no picture cover, not knowing that there actually wasn't a picture cover here. That's right. It's, yeah. But, uh, you know, they, they, those, uh, those Australian singles without uh, picture covers really, <laughs> they're very hard to sell um, if, you, if you get any because I know at the time, um, you know, uh, other kids would say, where, where in the hell did you get this from? Um, the worst thing was bringing in uh, uh, American singles, you had to go to Batman's uh, record store and buy the... Uh, the little thing that you fitted in with the American large circle. Oh, yeah. I feel uh, like a player, yeah. Right, so you needed one of those little spools uh, to clip in, and then you could put on one your, uh, your record player. And then all of a sudden they decide, ah, you can buy one of these things so that instead of buying one for each record, you could put this thing on top of uh, the spire and you could put your American singles on and play them without having to, you know, fit in a, a doodah. Well, Good fun days. Oh, uh, fa- fa- I've got to love it. We're seeing premium a package from uh, Nashville with the latest Elvis album. That would have been uh, seriously exciting. And what about the days when Elvis was uh, in the Army? Did that get a lot of uh, airtime out here in Australia? And what, what do you remember of that, that time? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, mainly, mainly in magazines. But once again, getting back to John Eden's... Uh, Hit Parade TV show, which was a massive hit um, uh, every every Friday night. You know, it, it was great. But you had um, the latest Elvis record, like whether it be Wimmering Around Your Neck, as one uh, that I remember in particular with John Darcy uh, doing the miming and he's dressed as a, <laughs> as a Roman centurion. Uh, what the hell has that got to do with... Wear my ring around your neck, but um, uh, and uh, yeah, but uh, it was great that John Eden, when he introduced, uh, if it was an Elvis record, he didn't say the latest from Elvis Presley. He used to say this is the latest from Private Presley. You know, so the the army bit uh, got in there, but uh, you know, a lot of the magazines, getting back the pop magazines and whatever, had stories about Elvis in the army. In actual fact, Elvis probably uh, got more coverage in, in some ways uh, when he was in the army here. I'm talking about here than pre-army. Um, you know, even that impressed my father. This singer went off and um, did his duty. That really impressed Dad. Yeah, I can imagine it would have impressed uh, a lot of people. Of course, when Elvis came out from the army, he was in the movies, and you mentioned how through until about 64, 65, Elvis was still a, a huge draw. He was always very popular in Australia, even after the, the Beatles. Is that right? Uh, 
Well, you're dead right. If you look at Elvis's uh, chart singers in, in Australia during the 60s, he was very big here. I mean, okay, you might have had something that was getting to number 25 in the US or number 20 in the UK or 10 in the UK, and they were top 10 hits here. He did very, very well on the charts here in Australia. Yeah. Well, it seems Elvis has always been popular here in Australia, and there's actually a special CD, if you find it, of Elvis's top 10 hits here in Australia. It's very well worth checking out. I hope you'll join us for the next episode of the Elvis Cast when we continue our chat with Wayne Hawthorne. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Elvis Cast. Subscribe or follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. Just search for Elvis Cast. All the links and contact information can be found on my website, elviscast.com. If you'd like more information about this episode's special guest, check out the show notes in the description. Thanks for listening to the Elvis Cast.